welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we keep Blizzard under constant surveillance in a not creepy way because, well, you know, we're a website, we can't do anything. Uh, I'm Matt, I'm hosting, and with me this week is, pretty much as always, my fantastic co-host, Ann Stickney. Ann, you got a computer. I do, and it's my birthday. It's her birthday as well, so, you know, happy birthday. This is the first time that, like, in the history of doing the podcast that we've had the podcast actually fall on my birthday. It's been the day before or the day after for a very long time. So, yay. Yay. So, uh, other than setting up the computer, do you do anything for your birthday? or No. <laughs> and didn't think so. But I think I'm going to, like, shit. curl up and binge some YouTube or Twitch or Critical Role or something tonight, and that's probably going to be the extent of it. Oh, and I should go to Starbucks at some point today because they have a free drink for me. So, you know, coffee. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch the uh, Between the Sheets uh, show that they're doing? I caught, like, the last, like, okay, I caught, like, the last, I'd say, 20 minutes of it or so. Um, I missed the first part of it when it was airing, which I'm kind of bummed about. Um, So, yeah, for people who don't know, uh, Between the Sheets is a new show by the folks over at Critical Role, and... um, Brian Foster interviews somebody, like does an inter- in-depth interview with somebody. How long was it? How long was the show? About an hour. Uh, I watched okay. it today because it's it's on the Sci-Fi Channel site. Oh. Actually, has they have an interview with with Foster and they have the first episode up, so you can watch it if you have if you missed it. Well, maybe so I'll I watched the whole thing. That. Yeah, it was actually very interesting. It's it's a he, he talks about his life, which is it, it, the interviewee is is Talison Jaffe, and he talks about his life and so forth. So if you ever wondered like what it's what what takes to make the kind of person who can do Darian Mograine's voice, uh, that that's up there. You can watch that. Weirdly enough, what I gathered from the last twenty minutes or show, so of the show that I watched is that on at least six separate instances, I should have met this person and never did. Yeah. He is at the nexus of all of my personal connections, and yet we've never met, which is weird. But that's how my life works. Like, I, I meet people like this every now and again where it's like, oh, you know them and them. Wow. Okay, so that's like three different aspects of my world that have crossed in you. Why haven't we met before? And yeah, I don't know. I want to watch the rest. Maybe I'll watch the rest of that tonight. That'd be cool. It's not a bad show to watch for your birthday. Yeah. Uh, we we should talk about, however, is the various things going on with World of Warcraft because oh a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah, a lot <laughs> is happening with World of Warcraft. Just just you know, in, in the past two days, they did that enormous dump of information for eight patch eight point one, and then they also today uh, there's a new mount that you can get with a with a purchase. Since you have the mount in, why don't we start talking about that one? Okay. What, what is this mount? The mount is called the Dreadwake, and it is a pirate ship. It's got it's like Kraken themed, so there's like a Kraken on the front of it, and it has like the purple and red striped sails. It is a one person mount. It's not a two seater. Um, however, the way that you get this mount is you purchase 180 days. That's six months of game time. And the cost for it is, I think it's $77.94, which is exactly the cost of a six-month game subscription. So basically, you pay for six months of WoW, you get the mount for free. Now, me, I've already been paying in six-month increments. That's just how I pay my subscription, because you get a little bit of a discount when you do it that way. So as I was researching this stuff to write it up for a column... (laughs) I had a gift pop up on my Battle.net launcher. I'm like, what is this? And I clicked it and it said, congratulations, you've got six months of game time and the mount. And I'm like, did I accidentally hit purchase here somewhere? What happened? What just happened? What did I do? Um, It turns out that because I am already paying in six month increments, I just got the mount for free. Anybody who is paying currently in six month increments right now, you have the mount for free. Go on to your Battle.net launcher and check the gift tab. It's there. It's waiting for you. They just threw it in because you're already paying. So you don't have to pay anything extra. Yay! <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And um, you, what do you think of it as a mount? Do you have it? Yeah. Like you have it already, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to use it. Okay, I take that back. I will use it on Kulturus and Zandalar once flying is unlocked. But until that point, I probably won't use it. Because I'm... Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. But I really like using streamlined small mounts when I'm zipping around the world when there's no flying involved. 
because I don't really want my mount to get in the way of the NPCs and I don't want the mount getting in the way of like quest people that I have to talk to. <laughs> so I'll usually like hop on a horse or a raptor or something small so that I don't get in the way of other people and my mount doesn't get in the way of me doing what I need to do. Do you do that or no? I hit the random thing and go with whatever it gives me. Okay. Like, I, I have a bunch of mounts favorited, some of which you hate, because I know you don't like Mim's head, and I've got that on there. But uh, a few others... It's the sound. It's just the noise it makes. <laughs> I've got, like, whatever I've got in there, I I just hit the button and go with whatever it is. Uh, it's also, it also depends on what spec I'm in, because I also have certain mounts on the bars, but only on certain specs. I don't know why this is. I, I, I'm a strange person. And so, for when I'm arms, I ride the chopper a lot because that's right on the top of the bar where all my mounts are. So half the time, instead of going down to, to get to the, the random mount thing, I'll just hit the chopper button and ride the chopper around. When I'm prot, I'm almost always on the on the Brewfest Kodo. Like, almost always. Uh, because it just suits being prot. It's like, I'm a tank, here's my tank. You know, I'm riding a tank on my tank. If there was an actual tank in the game that you could ride around on, I'd probably ride around on that. See, for me, here's what I typically do, and this is what I do in every beta, and this is also what I typically do in the live game until I start getting some really crazy mounts, right? I will pick, I will have on my action bar, well, one of my action bars, I have a bunch of them because I have, you know, dominoes, I got the bars all set up, um, my water strider so I can get on the water, I have my Grand Expedition Yak so that I can transmog because that's very important and you know how important that is. <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely yeah. out separate. Yeah. Um, I have my Red Flying Cloud from the Lorewalker's Reputation. I like flying on that thing because when I zoom into first person I can get some really good screenshots and the mount doesn't get in the way, none of the glows, none of the effects. It's just me on a disc. Plus, I don't know if you've ever seen Blood Elves or Void Elves on the cloud mount, but they do this really cool crouch animation thing that looks really rad. <laughs> I actually like, I've done that because I have the Orb of the Cinderai. Yeah. But I actually prefer what Night Elves do on it, especially if you manage to get your weapon and sheathed just as you mount. Yeah. They kind of surf, your, don't they? They kind of do a surf thing, but more importantly, if you pull your weapon out just at the right time, it will stay out while you're on the disc. Yeah. And you look like a figure print. Which is cool. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm cool. I'm down with this. That's fine. So I have the Strider, I have the Yak, I have the Red Cloud, and then I have one ground mount. And I will p usually pick one ground mount, whatever happens to catch my fancy at the time, that is inobtrusive and won't get in the way of anything. Um, right now, it's a horse, because I like the horse mounts in uh, Battle for Azeroth. They, they, redid, they redid the Gilnean horses. So they look mm -hmm. like the Colterian horses. So I'm riding one of the Gilnean horses around. Um, and then on Horde side, I believe I switched between a Raptor and uh, the Zevra mount. Yeah, The Raptor that came with Battle for Azeroth, mm -hmm. if you pre-ordered, yes. th th that is a really cool Raptor. It's very I, pretty. Um, I will say this, that in terms of when I'm riding on like, ground mounts, yeah. I tend to vacillate between the, uh, the Zulian Tiger the one that you got for doing um, Siege of Orgrimmar, the wolf, the Corcoran yeah. wolf. Yeah. I ride that more than other wolves, although I do have some other wolf mounts that I got from uh, from Warlords. But I tend to ride the Corcoran one. Or uh, some kind of, you know, it's either a cat or the wolf. Or See, I usually pick the ones that don't have a lot of armor on them because I don't... I mean, the armor looks cool and everything, don't get me wrong, but I also really like the animal models, and I like watching them move, and I don't know. I just I just like it when they're simple. I don't know. I just got on one of my wolves on the stream, because, you know, why not? <laughs> because the uh, wolves are great. So, anyway, yeah. going back to this whole deal thing, if you purchase 180, if you p purchase six months of game time, you get the mount for free, which is fantastic. Um, it works as a ground or a flying mount, depending on where you're at. Because nobody can fly in Colteris or Zandalar as of yet, it's a ground mount out there. I think it's a little bulky for a ground mount, which is why I probably won't be using it until we get flying. But you can bet, as soon as we get flying, I will be flying around on that thing because it's just really, really I cool. I'm sad that it isn't also a water mount. Yeah. That because was, that's one of the things you talked the, about, the Azure Strider. Yeah. 
and I use the Azure Strider. So it, it's a boat. You yeah, think it, that you think that it's a boat, it would float. That yeah. just feels like something it should do. I but mean, yeah. Maybe Blizzard can add that in later. I don't know. But that that's not the only thing that they added to the store today. What else? I knew there were some pets, right? Yeah, just one. A battle pet. His name is Cap'n Crackers. And he's a pirate parrot. Oh, God. <laughs> he has a little hat and everything. He looks really, really cool. He's, like, adorable. Um, he is $10. He's not a charity pet. This is not the charity pet. Um, typically, with the charity pets, they introduce those at BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Or at least that's what they've done in previous years. I imagine that they're probably going to do the same with this one. Uh, so we're probably going to see something completely different at that point. Um, this guy's just a pet. He's a $10 pet. You can get him from the pet store. Um, the only really kind of unique thing about him is that um, he's a flying battle pet. And he has an ability called Coin Toss. That Coin Toss ability was previously limited to the Treasure Goblin that you got as part of the Diablo 3 uh, Reapers of Soul Collector's Edition. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's the only other pet that has this. So now there's two that have that ability. Um, it's not like a heavy hitter ability or anything like that. It's basically, uh, it's called Coin Toss, and it deals magic damage, and then it makes the target greedy for like three rounds. And while they're greedy, they deal 25% additional damage, but they take 50% additional damage. So it's almost not worth it. <laughs> gotcha. But it's a unique ability. So, you know, hey. If you were, you know, using that, if you always wanted to use that one, there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's cool, the store stuff. Um, also, today, um, in fact, like about an hour before we went live, mm-hmm. uh, the the Mythic race has been resolved in oh. Mythic Aldair. Um, unfortunately, for those of us who were rooting for Limit, uh, Limit didn't win. It, no. it turned out Method, Method pulled it out, uh, got there 8 out of 8, killed... Uh, Mythic Gahoon made me incredibly glad I'm not in Mythic raiding anymore because oh my god, looking at that fight, ah, I didn't I didn't even want to look at it. It was like that. It was just yikes that fight. Um, so congratulations to them. That's a heck of a thing. I that that love, fight was terrifying. I love that they were live streaming all this stuff. I think it was fantastic. I think it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it was really 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 close, you guys, because limit. I think Limit wiped with like a little over 600k left to go or something like that last night. But then um, there were hotfixes released that changed how some things work as far as like Azerite abilities and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And they all went to bed. And of course, they all have to work today because it's daytime in the US right now. So, and it's not for Europe. <laughs> so there was kind of a switch off there. I, Limit was very, very close. And, um, I'm glad that Method picked it up because, you know, Method is great, but I, I do kind of sort of wish that Limit had gotten it last night. I'm kind of bummed that they didn't. It was real close, you guys. <laughs> I don't think yeah, it's ever it, been that close before. It's very likely they will come in tonight and just do it. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the changes <laughs> they even, and like, just one-shot it tonight. Who knows? But, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a very tight race. Uh, it was a very good performance for an American Guild. You don't see an American Guild perform like that in a while. So, yeah, overall, pretty satisfied just being able to see it was pretty amazing. The fact that it got streamed at all is pretty incredible. That that has never happened. I was happened. really happy about that. I was really happy that, that it was streamed because a lot of people were tuning in. Like, a lot of people were really invested in watching this. It was all Twitter was talking about when it ended there. Well, of course, keep in mind that most of the people that I follow on Twitter are involved with Blizzard or World of Warcraft in one fashion or another. So, yes, everybody on my Twitter feed was talking about it. <laughs> yeah. That's what that they talk certain, about over there. <laughs> to a certain degree, that is to be expected. But nevertheless, yeah, it was... I mean, I we both of us have been playing for a long time, so we remember the days when, like, peep guilds didn't talk at all about their strategies, and you only knew that they were finished when they told you they were finished. Or when the and achievement popped up yeah. on the server. Yeah. One or so, the other. It was really cool to see it as an actual thing that you could, you know, mm-hmm. see and watch and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that happened. Uh, so that's definitely important. I think at this point, though, we should move on to talking about some of the 8.1 stuff that that came out yesterday. Because oh my god! Okay. Did they do- so was it just me? I mean, I know that Ian said in the Reddit AMA that he had last week, and they talked about some stuff in that Reddit AMA. Um, they were talking about changes, making changes to Azerite stuff, which they did do. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's hot fixes out there and there's patch notes out there that explain all the stuff that they did so you might want to go take a look at those but he said that he was going to be doing a a stream where he was going to be talking about the next patch and i'm like oh that's cool okay i guess they're gonna like answer some questions or whatever no it was just ian standing there releasing a torrent of information so much information in about 20 minutes I was staggered. <laughs> it felt it felt more like one of those BlizzCon panels he'd yes. do. Yes. <laughs> it felt less like you know I didn't I had no idea what we were gonna get. I I had also kind of thought it would be a Q and A or something. No. But instead it was just straight up you know Laura standing was up there. Nowhere to be seen. Yeah. It was just it was just Ian all yeah. by himself. Standing up there talking about what's coming and uh, a he lot's had the coming. Slides. He was prepared. He had the PowerPoint yeah. going. You know. It was yeah, it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um one of the things I want to talk about first is the warfronts. Okay. Because that we know a new warfront is coming and it feels like the Arathi warfront doesn't really have a ton of story involved in it. Like it, it's just there. It's like there. Yeah, there's not a ton of story to it because I mean it's kind of obvious what's going on here. There's just, you know, retaliation and back and forth going for that whole Battle for Lord Ron thing. Yeah, but the 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 new one coming in, it's called Battle for Darkshore. Mm-hmm. Um, this one feels a lot story heavier. Uh, for one thing, it's tied into the whole pre-expansion. It's the Night Elves. Re- it, basically, the Forsaken have been pushed out of Lordaeron. They don't have their old place anymore. No. And so they're they're heavily involved in Sylvanas' push into Darkshore. Because A, they're the most loyal to Sylvanas, and B, they don't have any place else to go. No. Like, they can't all live in, in or- Orgrimmar indefinitely, so they're pushing up I into Dorkshore. I mean, Dor- they could, Dorshore. but it would make the city really smelly. Anyway. Yikes, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you're dead. Um, but yeah, there's that. And meanwhile, the Night Elves are finally... like He, he said some things that he didn't specifically say Toronto is going to be involved in this warfront, but he said she's going to be heavily involved in the Patch 1, 8.1 story. And considering this warfront's coming there, and it's about the night elves trying to retake their ancestral lands, I feel like there's a ton of story possibility here, a lot of story drive here. Are we going to get to see more of Sylvanas? Are we going to get to see more of the Forsaken? What's, what are we getting exactly? And they talked about how it's going to like tie heavily into night elf and Forsaken aesthetics, harkening all the way back to Warcraft Three in terms of its looks. Like there's going to be, you know, the various units will be like ancients and so forth. I'm I'm really interested in this. I really want to see if they can make the Warfront a story delivery system, because it hasn't been up to this point. Up to this point, it's just show up, what kill I'm, some rares, get some stuff. What I'm looking forward to, and what this seems to be, or seems to be shaping up to be, um, if you remember in the old Soldier cinematic, one of the things that Sourfang said, he said. They're going to come for us now. All of them are coming for us. And this is, seems like the first big strike of that retribution over on Kalimdor. Taronda's not happy. And I don't think Malfurion's happy either. None of them are happy. And uh, you really don't want to make a bunch of Night Elves super angry. It's just not a good idea in general. <laughs> I, de- I definitely want to see what they do. I'm definitely looking forward to it. How many times has Malfurion blown up something major? <laughs> yeah, uh, that is generally his go-to. That's his go-to. For, um, you know, it seems like a, for, for all the, a lot of people don't like Malfurion. I get it. I understand why. But most of the time, Malfurion's relatively calm and, and peaceful. But every so often, the Stormrage brother in him comes out. Like I... People forget he's Illidan's twin brother. Yeah, here's the thing is I... You know, a lot of people say, oh, Malfurion, he's really boring, all this other stuff. I would like to see Blizzard take this opportunity to make him not boring. I would like to see what they could do with the guy when given half a chance to do anything with him. Same thing with Deronda, because Deronda's been kind of, she's taken the back seat a lot. Um, even in classic World of Warcraft, when she was the sole leader and Malfurion was missing, you really didn't hear from her all that much. Mostly you heard from Fandral. Um, so, I like to see them take some steps with the night elves as far as storyline goes because they haven't gotten a lot of it not really it's um, all been stuff like here's stuff that used to be ours ten thousand years ago yeah which is fine they talk but... about the past a lot but i want to see what they're up to in the here and now and how they deal with uh catastrophe on the scale of what happened to Teldrassil. 
Um, One of the reasons I liked the Alliance War campaign was because Chandris was so big a part of it. Mm, she was so good. <laughs> and I really liked, there's like, I liked getting to see that Chandris's approach to things is entirely different. Like one of the things I liked was when Keishan's like, you've done this and you've done that and you've done this and I don't even need to talk to you. And she's like, people are people. It doesn't matter. It's like, you're here. We're fighting. That's, that's it. Let's just get it done. I like her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chandris is one of my favorite characters, so, so yeah, I'm also I'm, hoping she's involved, too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this war front, particularly for that point. Um, this isn't, I mean, these aren't going to be the only two war fronts. No, they've, they've definitely teased more. Yeah, they're going to be adding more as the expansion goes on, which is only appropriate. Um, since we're dealing with a war between factions, it makes sense that new war fronts would open up over the course of the expansion. Yeah. Well, um, actually, we can segue into 8.1's overall theme then, because that was made. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Why don't we, we talk about that? Like okay. you can talk about the whole theme of it. Well, why don't you go ahead and go into that? Well, the the basic. I forget if it's called. Was it? I want to say Trial of Vengeance. But that's no, not what it's called. Tides of Vengeance. Tides of Vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Tides of Vengeance was hard for me to remember for some reason. Tides of Vengeance is the basic title of the the new patch, and it's. It's interesting because he specifically mentioned certain characters we're going to see. He mentioned Saurfang is going to be featured, which, which is, is interesting. Because we haven't seen Saurfang since his little, I'm not going to, I'm just going to hang out here in the dark in the stockades. Yeah. Me, so me and Hogger, we have a play date later. We're going to, we've, we've got yeah. like a poker group established. We're just going to do that for a while. <laughs> so we're going to get to see what he's actually doing, which is nice because, you know, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get to see Taronda and Malfurion and the Night Elves' reaction to everything that they've they've gone through, yeah. which is good because you kind of have to. But honestly, one of my biggest problems with Old Soldiers and one of my biggest problems with the, everything up to now mm -hmm. was that I didn't care about how Sorfang felt about the tree burning down. I didn't care how the Horde felt about what they'd done. I cared more about how the Night Elves felt about it. They're the ones who lost their home. How do they feel about it? Yeah. And getting to see the Forsaken in the Warfront, I feel like the Forsaken of all the Horde groups are the ones most interesting to focus on because they too have lost everything. So there's that kind of stuff interests me. Uh, what gets me too is how they're going to tell it. Like one of the ways they're doing is World Quest, obviously, but they're going to do something I've never heard of. The before. raid. Yeah. Can we talk about the raid? Yeah, so, you want to start? Though? Yeah, there's a raid. There's two new raids that are going to be added with 8.1. Now, keep in mind that both of these raids, one of them is going to be available initially, and then the other one is coming later. It's not going to come out when 8.1 is released. It's like a delayed release kind of thing. The first one, though, is the Siege of Zoldazar. The Alliance are actually going to strike directly on Zoldazar, which is crazy because this is the kind of thing that's usually reser reserved for like... I mean, Ian even said it in his presentation. This is the kind of thing that's usually reserved for the end of an expansion, but mm -hmm. we're getting it Raid 2. Um, so the, the unusual thing that's going to happen here is that we aren't fighting a big bad, we're fighting each other. So the Horde and the Alliance are getting two separate experiences in this raid. There are nine boss encounters for each faction. The way that you encounter those bosses, though, is different than anything we've ever seen before. So the first six bosses, the Alliance starts out at the docks at the bottom of everything. At the bottom of, um, is it Dazarolor? Yeah, Dazarolor. They're at the bottom down there where the marketplace is and the docks are. You start there and you fight your way up that pyramid. And the final boss is King Rastakhan, who is like the leader over on that side. It's crazy. Um, there's six bosses you encounter along the way. For the Horde side, you start on the other end of the equation, and that King Rastakhan encounter is like somewhere in the middle. It's not the end boss for you. The end boss for you is Jaina Proudmoore and the Kul'Tiran fleet. Yeah, um, and it's basically... What's interesting to me about this is that you, either way you get to see all nine fights, yeah, you get to do them. Yeah, because what happens, I was going to get to that. What happens okay. here is you do the six bosses on either side, right? Once you're done with those six bosses, you go back to reconvene with your leaders and everything else. And they say, okay, here's what you missed. And you fight the three bosses that are on the other faction's side. So everybody gets the same nine bosses. It's just like in a different order depending on faction and how you approach it is entire is it's an entirely different experience. This is so cool. Like this is I mean, 
I haven't been excited about raiding in a very long time. I, I, I did raiding pretty much since vanilla. I've been raiding and then I quit. I stopped doing it back in Warlords because I just I didn't have the time for it anymore. And I just didn't have <sighs> the desire to do it anymore. Um, this is really interesting. This is enough that I'm kind of like... Maybe I should get back into raiding again. And I'm not going to because I still don't have the time for it. But this is this is this is cool. <laughs> What's interesting to me too is that this is the most experimental thing. And it's you see that with whether or not stuff works necessarily, mm -hmm. Battle for Azeroth is trying a lot of new stuff. It's like to a certain degree they're throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And I really get that feeling with this one. This is a raid they're pushing the very definition of a raid about as far as it's ever been pushed. I mean, in a way, it's it's classically, it's a raid on Zuldazar. That's what it is. Either you're playing the part of the people who are being raided, or you're playing the part of the people who are doing the raiding. But either way, that's what's happening. It's a raid on Zuldazar. It feels like the Siege of Orgrimmar, but If they'd not. actually let the Alliance and Horde fight it there. Yeah, yeah. Like um, if the Horde had gotten to play the, uh, the, uh, the you know, the true Horde. And don't get Instead me of... wrong, I really like the Siege of Orgrimmar and everything. It's just, this feels a lot more personal on a level this that actually, Siege didn't. Yeah, this actually plays up the conflict. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I don't know where this is all going to end up expansion-wise. I have no idea. But I do like the idea of getting to do the different fights and yet getting to still see them other side and still getting to like do a fight and get gear it's not just like oh they have six we have six and three of those bosses are different so we don't get to see the same stuff no everyone gets to fight the same nine bosses the order you do it and how the fights progress are different per faction and the story, that's and the story that's involved is very different on both sides as well because obviously you know the horde wants to protect what that you know their allies that they've just gotten the alliance is trying to seek some kind of revenge and the horde is fighting back against that. So, and the horde, the horde is like they're taking a stand at the place that they've been calling home since they landed on Zoldazar. So, or Zandalar, excuse me. <sighs> There's so many Z names over there. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of interested to see what happens with all of this. Um, I don't think I've been ex this excited for a raid story in a very long time. Uh, the Emerald yeah. Nightmare. I was really excited about the Emerald Nightmare, too. But this one is on a different level from even that. And I'd been waiting to do stuff in the Emerald Nightmare for, like, years. Uh, but on top of that, this isn't the only raid. There's another no. raid. It's going to come out later. It's called The Crucible of Storms. It takes place underneath... Um... Stormsong. Yeah, it's not under Stormsong. It's under uh, the Shrine of the Storm. Yeah. Yeah, it's down underneath all of that. Uh, and it's just a two-boss raid. It's a very quick one. We didn't hear anything really big about what's going to happen story-related other than there's probably Old God influence going on here. There's Naga stuff going on here. Things that Horde players maybe didn't see because obviously they didn't quest through Stormsong, so they don't know what's going on out there. This will help clear that up for them, and it'll give Alliance players something interesting to do as well. I if you're like... watching the stream, uh, one thing, if you're watching the stream, the place I'm putting, currently putting the mouse, that octopusy-looking building, I'm betting that's where it's going to be. Straight up, that's where I think the raid's going to be. I think it's underneath that... But yeah, I... re regardless, yeah, it, it's kind of in that area, and it's just a two-boss raid, so it's a quick one. I don't think we've had a quick raid like that in a while. I mean, oh, Valor, we... the last one. Yeah, I think so. But even that one that had three, right? Yeah, it had Guarm in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So this one, it's it's kind of along the same lines. Think of it as a, the trial of Valor of Battle for Azeroth, probably. Yeah, like Except a Gruul's Lair type lines. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is cool because sometimes. Sometimes all you need is a little quick raid. Sometimes you don't need the big giant however many bosses or whatever. Sometimes you just want something small and new to do. Um, and this is probably going to lead into whatever comes after that. Um, so yeah, Warfronts, raids. Uh, there's going to be new world quests, obviously, that are ushering in both of these things. Um, I believe they said that with Crucible of Storms in particular, we should expect to see like invasions along the coastline from the yeah, Naga. The Naga will be hitting Zoldazar too, so that the Horde yeah. had at least some reason to go over there, yeah. Yeah, so there's like... That's that's like them learning. I think that one interesting thing here is that they seem to be learning a little bit from some of the missteps from the opening. Mm -hmm. 
Like I think all deer people. I, I've been raiding all deer, mm-hmm. but Alliance side, we really we show up because it's a place to go. Like, oh, there's <laughs> loot in here. It's more like, oh, there's loot in here, and also the hoarder here, so maybe it's important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's about it. Um, there was one other really major thing coming from all of that, and I think we should talk about that. Sure. Uh, so heritage armor. If you're a fan of heritage armor for the allied races, but you kind of wish, you know, it would be really cool if I had this for, you know, the race that I've been playing since day one of my playing this game, you're in luck because they are going to begin to add heritage armor quest chains for all of the different races. They are starting out in 8.1 with heritage sets for dwarves and blood elves. Um, we didn't get a ton of details about what's going to go on with this, but we do know that there is no need to grind any sort of additional side reputation or anything. Basically, Didn't you say there's a quest? Yeah. What happens is, if you are max level and you are exalted with your own faction, um, whatever faction that happens to be, either the dwarves, the blood elves, obviously... Um, and it's really easy to get faction rep with these guys, by the way, because you can go get a tabard and actually champion them in old dungeons and get rep really easy that way. It's not hard to get exalted with the original factions, guys. Um, what happens is you'll get a quest, and that quest will send you off on kind of like an exploration into the history of that race. So for the Blood Elves, Ian mentioned specifically the history behind the Dead Scar, the Dead Scar and how that came to be, um, the whole invade scourge attack that led to the formation of the blood elves because that was a really big important moment um as for the dwarves he didn't mention anything too much about the backstory but i have a feeling we're going to be probably hearing about the war of the three hammers considering that the armor pictured looks a lot like the the armor magni used to wear Mm -hmm. i think you're probably right yeah um because that was a really really huge historical moment for dwarven history and um, especially with the Dark Iron having basically joined the Alliance, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, this is why the Dark Iron are a separate group in the first place. This, this is, is why the this dwarves... Is a, this is this is, this is is why this whole thing with the Council of the Three Hammers and everything is kind of a monumental thing to have happened. Because the thing that split them apart was so big and so terrible that it didn't look like there was ever any coming back from it. But they did. Um, so I have a feeling that's probably what we're going to be looking at with that. So it's a quest chain that you go do, story quest chain. Um, you go learn a little bit about history and that kind of stuff, and at the end of it, you get a really cool armor set. Um, again, they're just doing the dwarves and the blood elves for now, but they do have plans to add future races, uh, you know, further on down the road. So everybody should get a heritage set at one point in time or another. I'm very excited about this. What I'm also really excited about is that uh, reputation has been one of those kind of sticking points for a lot of people, particularly in Battle for Azeroth. But even prior to that, there were there are transmog options that are locked behind reputation, so you can't actually wear them or use them unless you have the appropriate reputation. What this ends up being is that I, on my main character, unlock, oh, let's say uh, the Nightborn as an allied race option because I am exalted with Suramar and I've got all of that done, right? I say cool, I've got this allied race and I pick up a Nightborn and I level it from 1 to 120 and I get that really awesome Nightborn armor set and it's fantastic. I cannot equip my own faction's tabard because I do not have the appropriate reputation with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, now I think the Nightborn start out with Exalted with Suramar so that was probably a poor example but I know the other no, allied races they the, don't the High start... Mountain Torin, the High Mountain Torin definitely have this problem yeah they don't start out as Exalted with the High Mountain despite the fact that they are a High Mountain Torin, and it's kind of yeah. ridiculous this is not the only case of this being a thing there are things like this all over the place where it's like well I don't want to switch characters or I don't want to you know move this character anywhere because I don't want to lose any of this reputation that I've spent all this time grinding out and I don't want to redo it on another character so Blizzard has heard this kind of loud and clear and they're going to be lifting a lot of those reputation locked items like the restriction from it so that if you have earned that reputation on one character you can use that appearance on any of your characters which is great for transmog it also the other thing that they're doing is that once you've unlocked a reputation that 
that achievement out there where it's like you have to unlock a certain number of reputations, that achievement is going account wide. So if you like if you switch mains but your original main has a bunch of stuff unlocked but exactly. now your current one doesn't have it, yes. it'll all count for the purposes of getting that achievement. This is great for me because I have um, PvP, <laughs> the PvP reputations. I have one on my main character and the other two I have on another character. So I don't have credit for all three, but I will get credit for all three once 8.1 rolls out and then I'll hit my 100 reputations. <laughs> Which is yeah, fantastic, because I want that mount. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons for this besides just, like, little edge cases. Yeah. Um, if you ever have, if you have any gear that costs reputation to get, like, if it's, like, you can't buy this till you're exalted or till you're revered, you can't use that appearance on any other character no. if they don't have exalted or revered. That's all going to be... There's one other thing, too. In addition to that, if you've achieved, say, say you've gotten um, Champions of Azeroth to revered yeah. on your main, and then you start doing other characters they'll be able to immediately go out to Silithus and unlock their necklace all the way up to Revered as soon as this goes through. Because it'll count, the achievements you get will count. So you'll be able to do it. Ian specifically mentioned that during the talk. So that's a nice little boost your alt will have. They'll immediately get their necklace up and not have to worry about it, not have to grind for it. That's been a problem for me because, like I said, I, I had one character already got her necklace up to revered and then I switched and I'm now I'm having to grind champions again all over again which is kind yeah. of a pain but um, I, you won't have to do that in the future and that's pretty awesome yeah this should help with progress on alts in particular um, keep in mind that with all of these reputation restrictions that they are lifting it is specifically in regards to transmog and transmog appearances you won't be able to go to a vendor like if you grind to exalted on, I don't know, um, the Zandalar rep, right? Mm -hmm. And you go purchase gear or recipes that you can only get when you are exalted. And then you roll an alt and you take that alt into Zandalar. Your alt's not going to be able to purchase those recipes. But if you have those items on your, your main already, you, you can transmog to them for, on your alt. For the appearances. It's just yeah. the appearances. It's not actually purchasing the items. So it's yeah. not quite account-wide rep but it's a step towards it which I think is pretty great yeah it's at least it makes it less onerous if you decide yeah. to switch you don't have to worry about it as much anymore yeah. which I think is a pretty good decision they're, they're not lifting everything entirely but they are kind of you know loosening those restrictions a little bit which I appreciate okay Arnie. That's, there's actually more, I mean, but we at some point need to actually kick over and talk about something else, so Anne, if you don't mind. Yeah, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, they have a lot of Blizzard's different titles available. Basically, if there's an audiobook version of a book, it's probably over on Audible. Uh, the latest example and the one that I'm kind of hyping right now, because it is still incredibly relevant, is Before the Storm. That's the latest novel from Chrissy Golden. It's a tie-in novel to Battle for Azeroth. And the book is read by the voice actor for Enwin Wren. He does an excellent job with it. You can get Before the Storm on audiobook. You can download that as your free audiobook download with your free 30-day trial if you want to. Um, if you're not in the mood for Blizzard titles, they also have thousands upon thousands of other books in every genre imaginable. So really, you should just go check it out, because why not? Free books are great. Free audiobooks, even better. Uh, by doing that... or to do that, you can go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible, and every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Thank you very much, Anne. Um, we should briefly talk about the fact that um, the Fall of King's Crest for Heroes of the Storm, which is kind of their Halloween slash story, their next story piece and Halloween-related thing, that's on the PTR right now. In fact, it, they just had a problem with the PTR and it went down, but it's going to come back up soon. Uh, it's got new skins, it's got like new story because it's the Raven Lord getting revenge for being balked in Alterac Pass which was the previous big um, patch that he put out for for heroes in terms of story so that's that's happening and that's pretty interesting I, I don't play a ton of heroes every so often I'll go on and get my butt kicked trying to figure out how to play Malfurion because I like healing yeah so you know it's Okay, I don't know can it's we weird can we talk about the skins though because the skins are pretty sure, great yeah, there's um, I think my easily easily my favorite one 
is uh, the new Alexstrasza skin. It's Spectral Worm Alexstrasza, and she is no longer the aspect of life. She is the aspect of undeath. So she's got like this tattered green cast sort of armor on her that looks really cool, and her dragon form has shifted as well. It looks like this decayed version of its former self, which is pretty amazing. Um, I am... I, I, you know, I don't play Heroes of the Storm. I'm not good at Heroes of the Storm. I don't... I, I, I'm probably even worse than you are at Heroes of the Storm, and we've had the streams to prove it. But I love the skins, and I love seeing the different skins, and I love seeing what they do with the different skins, because all of the stuff that they do is... It's like innovative twists on stuff that already exists in lore. Um, the other skin that they've got, they've got... Um, it's basically Mayav, but she's a spider warden. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Okay, so she's got a spider warden skin, and it's all kind of like in purple, violet, and red. Um, and she's, theoretically, she's working for the Raven Lord, and she's fighting against other people. There's also a green cast version of that skin available as well as a, it's a really pretty kind of bronzy copper and black version that looks just amazing. And then... <laughs> We've also got the Witch of the Hollow skin. It's a witch. It's it's straight up a witch. She even has a broom to fly around on that has a cat on it. And it's... I, I think this is probably my favorite white main skin ever. Um, I love that she's got the cat. I love that the broom has like a big eyeball on it. I love the different color choices that are there. There's a, once again, there's like a really pretty green version. There's that violet red version. And then there's also one that's like white and copper that looks pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then Zarya. Zarya I was going to the Zarya skin because I've seen that one. Yeah, she's got a new skin too. Um, she's basically um, the Phantom Knight, I think they're calling her. And she's one of the four generals in the Raven Lord's army. So she's basically decked out in a suit of armor. And it's kind of reminiscent of, you know, the plate in Warlords of Draenor that had, like, you know, the vent holes in it and everything from Yeah, the, the one from Black Rock Foundry. I just yeah. went and cleared that place out the last night. So. Yeah, well, it looks kind of similar to that. There's even a version that is the, the, the black with the fl red flames and everything, but there's a version that's all purple cast. And then I think she's also got one that's, like, blue and gold. So it looks kind of like Alliance colors, except that she's really spooky looking because she's got the helm with the glowing eyes and everything. Um, I I love her. Um, and one more. There's one more. Brightwing has a new skin. Do I even want to know? Because this one I don't know about. <laughs> she's got a witch hat with little braided pigtails. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Um, there's There's several skins in there that have like new recolors there's like a new mount available that's kind of i don't even know how to describe it they're, they're calling it an ipad it's like this squish bit of flesh with an eyeball in the middle of it so when i say ipad i mean eye pad um and it's disgusting it's like really disgusting <laughs> Which means I'm probably going to see a lot of people flying around on it. I don't know. Um, and then, oh, and there's also a Spectral Countess Kerrigan. Where she looks like um, sort of Bride of Frankenstein and she's got the wings and everything. She looks very cool. That's the other really cool skin. So there's a bunch of skins available for the Fall of King's Crest event. And then there's the event itself. Um, the event, is, is it just running for Halloween? I don't actually know. I know that they also has the uh, Kerrigan and Brightwing re reworks are going to be on it as well. Yeah. I know that much, but I don't know exactly how long it's running for. I know it's coming out, I think it's coming out for Halloween, but I don't know if it'll be out that long. Well, I'm wondering if it's going to be like Hollow's End and the other events where it runs for several weeks at a time. I'm assuming so. Yeah, that makes sense. Just right now, all I know is that the thing is it says it's going to start on September 25th. That's the uh, start of the event. And it's rolling through for a while. I don't know if it's going to go past Halloween or if it just goes till Halloween or what. And keep in mind that there is also a new comic coming out. It's basically uh, the next issue of the Nexus comics called Fall of King's Crest. Uh, that one's due to arrive on September 24th, so next week, next Monday. 
So we'll have some idea of what the story of all this is. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess that's basically it for news. So uh, we, you know, of course, we see basically it like that wasn't a ton of stuff. Um, but we're gonna move on to some emails now. Uh, Anne usually reads them for us, so she does. She'll do that for us in a bit. But if you could send an email to us if you want to, at uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com I could not remember that for a second, sorry uh, with either podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line and that way we know it's for this show uh, if you don't mind Ian, take it away Okay, first email is from Totally EJ, a no mage from EU Turalion, who says Hello lovelies, why is Princess Talanji in the stockades and why was she initially searching specifically for the Horde for help instead of the Alliance or someone else? She just seems to pop up in game with little fanfare. That's actually a good question because I don't know the answer. I think that... Okay. She's not 100% cool with Zol. Maybe. Oh no, that's definitely. I, I I can without giving spoilers for the story. Yeah. I can tell you straight up that she and Zul definitely have some not... significant problems. Talanji, in fact, has problems with like a lot of the council. Yeah. The Zanjuli council they who are, not, are effectively they are not best buddy friends. When you yeah. when you play through the opening stuff on the Horde scenario, and you go break them out of the stockades, pretty much it's Talanji and it's Zul. Like he is with her, but don't don't get that mixed up they are not friends they just happen to be together during that time period and maybe that's why she goes to the horde because Zol told her to do so told her that maybe that was a way to go actually um, I don't think that's it um, but I based don't, on... yeah I was going to say I don't think that's it though there's enough like again without doing a ton of spoilers there's enough there um Certain figures pop up later, and you you get to see more story that involves the Horde and understand why Talanji would go to the Horde. But it's very much involved in the Dark Spear in general. Uh, remember, the Dark Spear were instrumental in stopping Zul and his his stuff in Cataclysm. It was it was a uh, Vol'jin and the Dark Spear who got everybody riled up about what the Zandalari were doing in Zul'Grub and Zul'Aman. Basically, and, yeah, this is pretty much where I feel like it ties in, is just, it's that past history. Because mm-hmm. the Dark Spear and the Horde, in particular, they are the only troll faction that when Zul went to everybody and said, hey, we need to unite and do this thing, Vol'jin was the only one who said, nah, I don't think so, see ya, and walked away. Um, and it came back again with the Isle of Thunder because that was the Zandalari forces right there. There were Zandalari warbringers all over the Pandaria continent. All that other stuff was going on, mm-hmm. and we put the kibosh on that. We stopped all of that. Zol was not there for either of those instances. He wasn't well for any all three of them because there was Zolomon, there was Zolgarub, and then there was the Isle of Thunder and all three of them we put a stop to all three of them so obviously we are capable warriors and yeah and also we've proved that whatever Zul wants and we're not necessarily too, on board with it <laughs> even even Talanji and the Zandalar and Rastakhan yeah. don't know the full extent of Zul's plans Zul is like he's playing he's very much Xanatosing this so there's a lot of stuff going on that Zul is doing that you don't necessarily until you get to the end of the storyline you don't get to see it and Talanji some of the stuff she does she does because she's just trying to figure out what they're up to what their game is there's a, a lot of the horde leveling experiences based around trying to work out what Zul and the Zanchuli council are doing and what whether or not it's good for the empire uh, mild spoilers it, it isn't no, I don't think but, it is. But the thing is, what I find kind of fascinating, and what I've found kind of fascinating, particularly with the Horde opening there, is that Talanji didn't go on this journey by herself. She actually took Zul with her. Yeah, it, it, you don't know if... One of the weird things about that was I couldn't tell if she brought Zul with her or if she actually went out to... like if. She was she was out suspicious of him and he's suspicious of her and you get the sense that maybe like one of them went out after the other and or one of them was sent to get the other or they were just one of them said hey why don't you come with me while I do this thing just to kind of give the illusion that trust had been built there when it hadn't 
Yeah, there's a lot going on between um, Talanji and Zul that, yeah. that you really have to, to do all three zones to get to see it. In terms of why the Alliance thought it was just, you know, a great idea to, like, lock up the heir to the Zandalar, that I'm not sure on. I don't know what they were thinking. I really... I mean, Anduin seemed aware of it at the time when you start the Alliance stuff, but I have to wonder how much of it he was aware of while it was happening. Like... And keep in mind it, that they were also kind of distracted by um, Battle for Lordaeron and all that other yeah. stuff that was going on too. So, like, I don't know if he just intended like once this is over, I'll head down there and I'll like I'll have a conversation with her, and that never happened because other stuff was going on. Uh, but definitely, it feels like the Alliance made an oopsie there. That was not the smartest move they've ever made. Uh, deliberately taking off with the Kulterans in disarray, the Sandalar had the most powerful fleet in the world, and the Alliance annoyed them on purpose it's there's definitely some oops there i would say that's my take on that okay well let's go ahead and jump to one of these other emails i'm going to go to the last one because that's actually really relevant particularly since we were just talking about a new flying mount earlier um this one is from sophie who's a human death knight on zangermarsh who says hey guys do you believe Blizzard will ever unlock flying and older expansion content for those who never got around to completing Pathfinder themselves? I honestly feel as though I'll never bring an alt to Draenor because of the now irrelevant hoops I would need to jump through to fly on a continent I experienced three years ago. I understand that they implemented the Pathfinder achievements to ensure that players would experience the new content to its newest extent before they were able to fly over it. But as someone who didn't have time for rep grind in Warlords, I feel as though it's something they should open up after a few expansion. Thanks, Sophie. I have strong feelings about this. I, I'm guessing you have feelings about this too, so I'm going to let you talk for a bit. Uh, generally speaking, I don't have any problem with the idea of relaxing it at this point. Warlords is two expansions ago. I mean, in my opinion, once content gets on the legacy loot system, it's time for that content to just be accessible. There's no reason you should have to go and actually get Pathfinder on Draenor to fly on Draenor. That's crazy. There's no reason for that. That's my take on it. I, I think it's... My feelings are strong, but they're relatively simple to put out there. Let people fly there now. It takes an exceptionally long period of time to get all of the reputation. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not all that long, but there's reputation grinding to do in order to unlock Pathfinder. And you have to explore everything, and you have to do all this other stuff. There are a bunch of requirements that you have to meet. Realistically speaking with the leveling changes that are in place right now, you can level out of Warlords content before you ever get to the point where you can realistically do the grind for the flying. So there's no point. There's no point in doing the flying because you're out of that material before you you're out of that material before you even like have the necessity for flying, have all of, excuse me, not the necessity for it, have all of the requirements unlocked for it. And to me, that's kind of ridiculous for content that is, again, three years old. Um, it doesn't matter so much with prior expansions, because, I mean, I could go to Pandaria, or I could go through Cataclysm content. It doesn't matter which one I go through. I have a choice, right? I have a choice between Wrath of the Lich King or Burning Crusade. I can go through either one. It doesn't really matter so much. You are forced to go through Draenor. There is no alternative. You have to go through that content. It's a lot easier to get through that content when you can fly. So I feel like just in the face of everything, yeah, maybe it's time they just sort of dropped that or drastically reduced the requirements for Pathfinder just in Warlords. I'm not talking about Legion. Go ahead and keep Legion in place, because it was just one expansion ago. That's okay. Go ahead and do that. But for Warlords, I feel like it's past time that they just drop it. Why not? Yeah, I really do feel like once something goes on the legacy loot system, yeah. it's not cutting edge anymore. It's more than okay um, to let people fly there. And, and Warlords is a real example of this. If you're doing Warlords content, I mean... There's a lot of content there. It's like it goes from 90 to 100. It's it's a big it's a lot of zones, they're very big. There's a lot of travel time between them. And it's fine when that's the when that's basically end game. When that 90 to 100 grind is to the ta to the cap of the game, 
that makes perfect sense. And I totally was okay with Pathfinder when it came out. I was okay with how they did it. I mean, there may have been some missteps with how they announced it, but overall, I thought Pathfinder was fine. But it's, you know, that was 2015, 2016? No, I think 2015, right? My God, I can't remember what year it was. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's been long enough. Just yeah. just make it accessible. Because, I mean, I can go... If I level an alt through, uh, my alt can fly from, from the get-go. Because I did Pathfinder back then. Why shouldn't anyone's be able to? I got the advantage of being able to do it for, like, several years. You got the advantage of being able to do it while it was current content, and you couldn't yeah. buzzsaw your way through everything, but it didn't matter because that was the only content there was to do. Yeah, it's like you know when I, I got it, I got to fly when Tanan Jungle was everything, and that was what everybody was doing. I I have no problem with this. I really feel like it's time. It's more than time. Okay, um, I think we have time for one more email. Let's go ahead and do this email. Uh, this one is from Bellasman, who is a level one twenty Gilnean hunter on Kargath, who says greetings, watchers. Having fini finally finished the Colterus zones on my Alliance main, I'm starting to wonder if Battle for Azeroth isn't somewhat misogynistic in places. Going into the expansion, we knew that Battle for Azeroth would be a female-centric, would be female-centric given the prominent roles of Sylvanas, Jaina, and Ashara. On the Alliance side, at least, we meet some truly horrible women, however. First is Catherine Proudmore and her initial shabby treatment of her daughter. Quick on the heels of Catherine, we meet Lady Priscilla Ashvane, who's Catherine's bestie while secretly allying with pirates to steal the Admiralty away from her, never mind the fact that she appears to be styled after a classic Disney villain. Meanwhile, over in Drustvar, we learn that Lady Waycrest had ordered the assassination of her daughter's unworthy fiancé on their wedding day, and then went on to make a bargain with the spirit of Gorok Tol and form covens of witches in order to bring about his return. And let us not forget Petula Algerson's, a.k.a. the Witch of the Woods. As best as I can tell, mo the most positive new female characters seem to be Lucille Waycrest and Talanji on the Horde side. Thoughts? Love the podcast. Okay. Uh, first off, you did not forget Joanne Cleardon. And um, You did not. Yeah. Because Joanne Cleardon is amazing. And also, can we talk about Talia? Because she's great. Yeah, Talia <laughs> is unbelievably cool, and you didn't mention Talia at all. And finally, I don't think you're treating Catherine, uh, Catherine at all fair. Catherine Proudmore. No, you go. I loved Catherine's story. I loved yeah. Catherine and Jaina's story. I'm going to get, oh no, oh no, I'm going to get choked up. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, seriously, okay, Catherine Proudmore. Here's the, that, th here's, yeah. the, here's the thing about Catherine Proudmore. Catherine, I had a rocky relationship with my mom growing up. We never quite were on the same page. And a lot of the reason we were never quite on the same page is because we were very much alike. So the whole storyline with Catherine and with Jaina and that moment where they actually came together at the end of that whole storyline on Alliance side really hit me kind of hard on just like several different personal levels um here's the thing with Catherine this is what Catherine knew Catherine knew her husband had died and all she knew was that it was somehow Jaina's fault. That was the news that was coming out of Theramore. That was the news that she received. Did she hear anything from Jaina? No. Jaina never said anything to her for years and years and years. So all Catherine had was that impression to go on. Meanwhile, yeah, she's got Lady Ashvane, who is also feeding all of this and feeding into all of this in her other ear. The one person that she doesn't have to speak to, the one person that could clear all of this up, is her own daughter. So, yeah, she's really rude and she's really mean and she's really terrible at the beginning of the Alliance experience. But it's because, literally, she does not know any better. And she learns throughout the course of that Alliance leveling experience. And I think that those realizations that she had, particularly at the end of the Alliance story chain, were so well done and showed so much progression. I also really loved the moment that she had with Gen. Yeah, it's a good moment. Where Gen said, you need to forgive her. I would give anything to have my son back to speak to my son again. If I could save him right now, I would. And 
it's kind of that callback to Liam. And Liam was one of those characters where I was so upset when he died. And it, he was only there for, like, what, a handful of quest lines in the opening experience? Yeah, he basically there so from, bad. <laughs> from about the point where you first find out you're a worgen on, yeah. Yeah, I felt so bad when he was gone. So I don't think that you're giving Catherine, like, fair treatment here. And... Yeah, I'll be honest, I want to defend Priscilla Ashmane a little bit here. Priscilla Ashmane is a villain, yeah. Yeah, but she's a you know you can get into her re- reasoning. Her husband died on that mission. Yeah, it wasn't just Dalen who died. A lot of yeah. other people who were loyal to Dalen died. A lot of Colterans died. Yeah. Her okay. husband died, and she originally initially she blamed Jaina, and then she blamed the Proudmores. Yeah, and that makes sense. And she's watching the kingdom. Keep in mind. The stuff going on with, with Priscilla... Dalen, if Dalen hadn't gone after Jaina, Ashvane would still have her husband. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff she then sees, a lot of the stuff happening in Kul isn't Priscilla's doing. The whole thing with the Stormsong, what's going on in Stormsong, the whole thing in Drusfar, she sees that stuff happening and she sees, Priscilla, sees Catherine unable to deal with it. And she says, all right. I'll take over. I'll deal with it. And you see, she she was completely willing to go with a peaceful takeover. You're obviously uncom- incompetent. I'm just gonna step in. And she had she'd convinced she'd convinced Catherine that Catherine couldn't do it anymore. Catherine was just going to step aside and let her do it. Yeah. So yes, she's evil. I'm totally um and on board with her saying she's the villain of the, of the piece. But she's not some caricature. She's not. It's it's understandable. She's cruel and angry because of what has happened to her. Uh, and so Lady Waycrest, to a degree, Lady Waycrest is horrible. I mean, I, I like I like Lucy. I think she's great. But the original Lady Waycrest, yeah, she's horrible. But at the heart of it is that desire to, to hold on to someone she loves. I mean, she even says, you know, you will not take him from me during the fight. I don't feel like it's misogynist to have female characters as villains and antiheroes. I think it's misogynist if you never give any, any positive portrayal, but I mean, we've got positive portrayal of women all over this expansion, and it's great, and we, we should have more of that. But it doesn't mean it takes away from it to have a few, you know, like, Ashara is a straight-up villain. Like, and that's fine. That's not, it's not misogynist that Ashara is a villain. It's simply what she is. It's, she's, that's her purpose in the story. I mean, everyone's take on this is going to be different, but that's, I don't, I don't agree with your, your take at all. I, I just I feel like I feel like um, if you're going to bring in characters and it doesn't matter who those characters are or what gender they happen to be I feel like you need to write them as a three-dimensional entity and the problem is when you start writing all characters of a particular gender or a particular type or a particular whatever as these cookie cutter representations of something that have no deeper meaning to them and that's where it starts coming across where it's like okay there's more to this than what you're writing you realize this right you realize that there's more here that you just aren't exploring for some reason are you blind to what's going on here and I'm going to actually like point the other direction for a minute because I feel like gnomes in particular have kind of gotten this treatment where they've been kind of barricaded into this comic relief role. Same thing with the goblins. The goblins have been kind of barricaded into this comic relief role where they're never given any kind of like deeper character development at all. Yeah, I can see that. And yeah. I think to a degree there's one character in this this expansion, if you're Alliance, is Kelsey Steelspark. Yeah. Who is fascinating? Oh, I it's love fem- her. Female character, right? See, if you're looking for good, strong, strong women, there's one. But she's there's just the, just this part where like she and Keishan are talking. They're like, you know, you have a knife collection. Of course, I have a knife collection. We need to talk later. It's just there's really good dialogue between <laughs> the two of them. We're best friends now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, of course I have. An, of course I understand the different kinds of explosions. We're definitely gonna need to talk later. It's just there's I... there's a lot. Like I've already gone on and on about Chandra's. Yeah. Chandris is big in this expansion. There's and there's going to be more of her. I, I I feel like with this expansion in particular, and I would not say this about prior expansions. Um, Legion kind of touched on it a little bit, but Warlords in particular was like, here's a bunch of characters who really don't do anything significant, and there's just kind of plot points all. It was a mess. It was just a big mess in terms of character development. 
and I feel like Battle for Azeroth is so far beyond that in leaps and bounds. Are there improvements that could be made? Yeah, absolutely. There's always improvements that could be made. But I'm seeing the kind of progress here that I haven't seen in a long time in terms of character development and in terms of expanding the story and expanding individual characters beyond something that is cookie cutter and beyond something, you know, that's just like flat face value. And, yeah. you know, even Ashvane, even Ashvane, um, is she a terrible person? <laughs> Absolutely. But there's reasons for it. And when you look more closely at that character, it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, no, there are more layers here than, than what's immediately apparent with her. Yeah, there's a lot going on with Ashvane. And it's, I think if you, when you do the uh, Siege of Baralis, not that, yeah. you know, we're kind of running out of time here. Yeah. But when you do Siege of Baralis and you see the end of it, uh, you watch that end scene, and you realize this this is a person who, at some point, she thought she had it all figured out that she was gonna what she was gonna do, and now everything is crashing down around her, and you can see it on her face. Like, and they did an amazing job with some of the facial animations in this expansion. You can actually see it on her face. The realization of I've made a terrible mistake. If she were a Disney villain, she would have yeah. pulled out some kind of oh, I have this massive Azerite weapon and I'm going to kill you all, ha 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 ha. And then somebody like stabs her in the stomach with a trident or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, you just get that instead, quiet moment of she, panic and realization. She very smartly said, "Ah, I am vastly outnumbered, and this was a terrible idea," and flies the white flag. Yeah. Um, and and I do think like I I'll go to I'll go to bat for Joan Cleardo on every day of the week. I love. Her. So I think she, she's she's one of my favorite characters in this expansion. The, the whole thing, Drusfar in general, the Drusfar storyline. I loved Drusfar. Does, does a lot of that kind of stuff. So, but um, yeah, we are getting late. We are running out of time. Okay, all right, that wraps us up for emails and also for the show. Again, um, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, check out Audible if you'd like to sign up for that free. 30-day trial and pick up your free audiobook download. You can pick up several Blizzard titles or you can pick up, just choose from thousands of other titles as well. You can sign up there at blizzardwatch.com audible and every sign up helps support the show and everything that we do. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thanks, Alanian. Uh, again, if you have an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Well, guys, that's been the show. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll both be here next week. 